Good to be with you folks today. I want to thank Brother Joe, the church, and uh, your care for us, the honor and the privilege to be able to come and be a part of the conference. Um, I have known about uh, Brother Cockrell for many years. Um, back when he was in South Point, I never had the opportunity or the privilege to meet him, uh, but uh, was aware of many of his books that I that I have and uh, valued his ministry. So what a what a privilege to be with you today. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and, oh, by the way, as well, thank you to our fellow preachers. Uh, the messages last night were fantastic. And uh, yes, Brother Joe, very hard to follow, but uh, we want to present the word today. And uh, Clarissa, Sister Clarissa, thank you for that music. What a blessing. All right, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter number 23. This message is going to be a little different. And I say a little different because I'm going to include some things in this message that I normally would not include. And if it's a dud, I'm going to do the manly thing and blame Joe. Uh, (laughs) This this is a, uh, yes, thank you, brother. This is a collaborative effort. Uh, It's true that Joe did not assign any topics, but he was highly suggestive, let's just say. So anyways, I, I pray the message is a blessing. We're in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Many of you know, or perhaps some of you know, that uh, my secular job, I work as an assistant state's attorney in St. Clair County, Illinois. Uh, I'm a prosecutor. I am not a woke prosecutor. I'm an awake prosecutor, but not a woke prosecutor. Uh, My current position is I supervise the domestic violence and special victims unit. I prosecute violent crime, murders, sexual assaults, home invasions, and the like. So obviously in in the secular position that I hold, it's very, very important to find the truth. It's critical. Obviously, as a believer, it is of the utmost importance that we find the truth. Now there are some parallels that I want to make today, I want to draw some comparisons between what we do as prosecutors in arriving at the truth and how we as believers ought to be vigorously searching for the truth. As one preacher put it, we should spare no pain nor cost to obtain the truth. Now, in our text verse in Proverbs 23, verse 23, Solomon stresses the importance of buying the truth. Now, obviously, he's not talking about having money or some source of exchange to buy the truth. The very same Hebrew word buy is translated attain in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 5, and it's translated get in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 5. And so we can deduce from what Solomon is writing that we are to make every effort to get the truth. We are to obtain the truth. Now, how do we go about doing that? You know, sometimes when we preach, it's very easy to preach a doctrine 
or something that we should be doing. But how is it that we do that? How do we get there? I want to focus on that in our time this morning. I want to look at three elements, three elements involved in buying the truth. I'll give them to you and then we'll examine them. The first, the first element, there has to be a right catalyst or a proper motive. Secondly, there must be a right course of conduct or a proper method to obtaining the truth. And then thirdly, we have to aim at a right conclusion, and that means that we have a proper meaning of the truth by the truth. Notice the first element, a right catalyst or a proper motive. And what I mean to say by this is to really stress what Solomon was trying to get across, that we we ought to be moved to get the truth. In our society today, where is truth? I mean, you talk about gaslighting. You can watch a video of something with your very eyes, and the media tries to convince you that you didn't just see what you saw. Where is truth? We ought to desire and be moved to get the truth. Now, that means that, first of all, we have to be diligently hunting for the truth. We have to look at the truth as a precious uh, gemstone that we are digging for and that we are on the hunt for, and we will pay whatever price it takes to obtain the truth. Now, prosecutors are responsible to hunt for truth in justice. A prosecutor's job is not to get a conviction. A prosecutor's job is to seek truth and justice. I want to read you a quote from Robert H. Jackson, who was the Attorney General of the United States in 1940. Listen to this. The qualities of a good prosecutor are as elusive and as impossible to define as those which mark a gentleman. And those who need to be told would not understand it anyway. A sensitiveness to fair play and sportsmanship is perhaps the best protection against the abuse of power, and the citizen's safety lies in the prosecutor who tempers zeal with human kindness, who seeks truth and not victims, who serves the law and not factional purposes, and who approaches his task with humility. We are to seek the truth. We are to be hunting for the truth. Now, as believers, we have an advantage. We have the word of truth. We are starting out ahead of where I start out at in a case as a prosecutor. We have the written truth. Jesus, in his great mediatorial prayer, prayed to the Father. And he said, sanctify them through thy truth. You remember the rest of it? Thy word is truth. We ought to be on the hunt for truth. We have an advantage because we have the word of truth before us. And folks, let me make no mistake about it. I'm talking about the authorized version of the Bible. I'm talking about what we hold in our hands today that I believe is without error and is incapable of error. I believe that God inspired his word and he's preserved his word. It's not my job to get up before you and cast doubt on the word of God. I am to encourage you that you have the truth before you. Now, that isn't all that's involved with it, because if it were, then I could just sit down and we'd be done. And some of you at this point are going, yeah, let's do that. (laughs) 
but I'm not going to. Okay? There's more to it. We have to receive the word as it is, in truth, the word of God. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, he wrote, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. There's power in this living word. We have, a, we have a head start. We have the truth. But we ought to be hunting for the truth. There's more involved to it than just that. We ought to not only hunt for the truth, as Solomon wrote, buy the truth, attain the truth, get the truth at any cost. And, and you understand when I say any cost, I'm talking about the, you know, improper motives like compromise and twisting the truth and things like that. I hope, hope we're on the same page there. So we're hunting for the truth. And once we have discovered the truth, what does Solomon say in Proverbs 23, verse 23? He says, buy the truth and sell it not. Hold on to the truth when you have it. Hold it tightly because it is to be highly treasured. Think about what your most precious possession is. What would you sell it for? Perhaps it's a family heirloom that goes down centuries and ages. What would you sell it for? We're supposed to take the word of God and hold on to it tightly because it is to be highly treasured in our lives. Now, without truth and prosecution, innocent people are accused of crimes. You know that happens, right? Of course you know that. And without truth and prosecution... Dangerous criminals go free to stalk prey on the streets. You don't believe me? Go to New York. Go to Chicago. Go to St. Louis, where just this week, the circuit attorneys, like the district attorney or the state's attorney, had two murder cases that prosecutors did not show up to court for. It is beyond the pale. We... As prosecutors must hold the truth and highly treasure it. Well, you know what? As believers, we are to hold tightly onto the truth. We are to highly treasure the truth. Why? Well, the truth in the written word reveals the truth who is the living word. Man, what a wonderful message uh, Brother Stephen preached last night. And, and, And Brother Duke as well. And Christ was clearly set forth. But you know you don't, you don't preach that message if you don't have the word of God. You don't know about the truth, the truth, unless you have the word of God. You don't know that Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures. That he was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. Those were the Old Testament scriptures, by the way. That's the gospel. And we don't know that unless we have the word of truth. Now, Jesus is revealed in the word of truth. Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You think that's precious enough to hold on to? You think we ought to buy the truth and sell it not? 
John wrote about Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 1 and verse number 14, John wrote, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. Full of grace and truth. In John chapter 1 verse 17, John wrote, Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We must have the word of truth because the word of truth should be held on to tightly and highly treasured because it reveals to us the truth, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, search the scriptures. You think you have eternal life? Search the scriptures because they are they which testify of me and he's the truth. They're the truth. Now, because he is the truth and we have the word of truth. How does God reveal to us individually and personally the living truth? By the written truth. In James chapter 1 and verse number 18, James wrote, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. The word of truth is the instrumentality. It's the means that God uses to bring his chosen to himself. Election is not salvation. It is unto salvation. And the word of God must be used that it must be instrumental and Christ must be preached that sinners might come to Christ. And yes, as we heard last night, you must repent of your sins and by faith trust in Jesus, who is the truth. Now, how did you how did you how did you come to know the truth? Well, in Ephesians 1, verse 13, the Bible says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Folks, you can't read the word of God and not be uh, just stricken and taken with the necessity of obtaining the truth and the place of truth in our lives. Now, you know what the truth will do for you. It'll make you free. Amen. It'll make you free. Man, listen, we, I, I, don't, I don't care one whit about politics. I don't do my job as a prosecutor to please anybody. I love our state's attorney, and he gives me free reign to run our unit as I see fit, and, and I don't care about any outside influences. We're free to do our job. When you know Christ, who is the truth, as he is revealed in the word of truth, the truth will set you free. The truth shall make you free. Now, we highly treasure the word of God. We hold on to it tightly. We, as Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, we, we rejoice in the truth. We ought to be motivated to find the truth. I mean, if you came in today, man, and you're just going through the motions and, you know, it's something to do on a, on a Saturday morning, man, we're in the house of God. We serve a living, a living God. A risen Savior who is the truth. And we want to point you this morning to the written truth and the living truth. Now, the first element in buying the truth is that we have to have a, we have to have a right catalyst. We have to have a right motive, right? We want to find the truth. But secondly, and here we'll get a little bit more uh, in-depth, if you will. We have to have a right course of conduct in finding the truth. We, ha we have to have a right method to obtaining the truth. We must go about... Finding the truth in the right way. Now, you have the word of God, which is God's written truth. But if I were to say to you after you're saved, okay, here you go. Here's the Bible. You know the truth. You don't need anything else. You, you know the truth. Go have at it. How many of us would say, well, 
preacher. That's wise counsel. No, there's more to it than that. We got to dig into the truth and find truth to help us in our daily lives. We must go about finding the truth in the right way. Now, I don't mean to step on any toes this morning. If I do, I'll leave right afterwards. <laughs> I'll even pay for the hotel if I need to, you know. But I don't mean to. I don't. I, I don't mean to be offensive. Okay, I, I don't. So I hope I don't step any to, on any toes. I don't believe I will, but. So we have to have a right course of conduct, a method. That means that we have to apply a proper process as we search for the truth. Now, we as prosecutors, we have a prosecutorial process, okay? The way this works is I can charge anybody in St. Clair County with any crime I want, okay? That's why the truth is so important, right? So what happens is the detectives, we have 34 uh, police agencies in St. Clair County. The detectives for these police agencies apply for something called a, 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 a warrant application. And they put in that warrant application, first of all, all of the police reports. The police reports are our source document. Tell me what happened. We have had police reports that we read and we go, where's the crime? Like, what, what are they applying? There's no crime here. So the police, the police reports are the source document. We review those police reports, and then we have to look at what? Evidence. We have to look at evidence. There are two types of evidence. There is direct evidence. Direct evidence is a victim. And I told you I work with domestic violence cases. We have a victim who has clearly suffered a, a beating. And she's on audio video recording telling what happened to her. We have photographs of her injuries. She says, this person did this to me. That's direct evidence. Sometimes, believe it or not, crimes are caught on video. I just prosecuted a murder case last week. I lose track of time. And uh, the, the murder was actually caught on surveillance video from two separate businesses. So sometimes they're on video. It's direct evidence. A ring doorbell videos. If you have a ring doorbell video or somewhat video like that, you should make sure that you review that because you might be able to assist the police in a crime sometimes because sometimes you catch things that you don't think are important. Eyewitnesses are direct evidence. DNA is direct evidence. I don't want to get too graphic, but autopsy reports are direct evidence. I was talking with Isaac last night. Jail calls. Man, listen, you say criminals are smart. Well, not really. Okay. I can't tell you how many times I've reviewed jail calls. Every, every call that an inmate makes at St. Clair from St. Clair County Jail, it's recorded. And you know, the, the great thing about it is when they make the call, it says, you are being recorded. Twice, you are being recorded. And then the knucklehead goes on and says, yeah, I did it. I'm good for that. You know, it's, oh, thank you. It's a confession. It's a confession on it's a, your words, jail call. So the point that I'm making is that we are reviewing evidence. Show me the evidence that this took place. There's direct evidence and then there's circumstantial evidence. Circumstantial evidence is evidence. And I try to explain circumstantial evidence like this. Okay, let's say that you have you have baked a tray of your children's favorite cookies and you've left those cookies on the counter to cool off and it's been a few moments and you're 
your little one is in the living room and then your little one disappears. And you go in and you find your little one running out of the kitchen. And let's say they were chocolate chip cookies and they got chocolate all over their mouth and crumbs coming down. And you go over and you look and there's a cookie missing from the tray. You did not see your little one eat that cookie. But do you think your little one ate the cookie? That's circumstantial. Circumstantial evidence can be very powerful, right? And so, so we're looking at the evidence. There is a process that we use to try to come up with what the truth is. Well, you know what? The believers also have a process. In our pursuit of truth, we have a process. I don't want to get too technical on you this morning, but that process is called hermeneutics. Okay, hermeneutics. It is the science and art of biblical interpretation. There is a way to interpret Scripture. We don't just come to the Word of God and open it up and say, oh, well, this says that, and without studying and comparing Scripture with Scripture and context and so forth, we come to an interpretation. It doesn't work that way. There's a process by which we search for the truth and find the truth. The science and art of biblical interpretation, again, I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but what we are driving at is something called exegesis. And that means that we are allowing the text to tell us what it means. We are deriving our understanding from the text. Now, there's an opposite way to do that, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. So the point that we're making is that there is a right course of conduct. There is a method by which we pursue the truth. But in that, we must, secondly, avoid problematic pitfalls. We must avoid problematic pitfalls. Now, prosecutors must follow the evidence. We have to follow the evidence. If you are charged with a crime, and I'm the prosecutor that's reviewing reviewing your case, would you not want me to follow the evidence? What does the evidence say? I have worked with some first-class special agents, detectives and investigators, and some of them, man, I would go to battle with, I would stake my life with them. They are good people. But you know what I would never do? I would never say to one of our special agents, detectives, or investigators, if they came to me and they said, hey, Mel, man, listen, I think this person did it, but there's no evidence. What do you think I should do? I think they did it, but there's no evidence. We can't, we can't prove that. Well, why do you think they did it? I just got a feeling, man. I just got a feeling they did it. <laughs> man, I love you, but Sorry. We're not charging somebody with a crime because you feel that way. We follow the evidence. We do not add to the evidence. We don't try to make the case stronger by throwing some stuff in that will help us out. We don't take away from the evidence. If there's something that is exculpatory or helps the defendant out, by law, we have to disclose that to the defense. There are pitfalls that we can fall into. We cannot charge a case if we do not have the evidence. I have on my wall behind my desk a a picture of a young lady. Her name's Claire Campbell. Her parents uh, wanted to meet with me about two months ago. Claire is, is deceased, and we think we know what happened. Claire had been in an abusive relationship for a number of years. 
And uh, police investigating her, her death came to me and presented all the evidence. And it's like, we, we don't have the evidence. We, we can't. We can't proceed. And her parents wanted to come in and talk to me. And I always entertained. I sat down with them. And, man, they wept. And I wept. And they understood. I think I know what happened in Claire's case. But I can't prove it. I don't know for sure. I cannot proceed with that. Now, you say, well, how does all of this fit in with us as believers? Well... Believers must follow the evidence. We must follow the evidence. We ought to embrace exegesis where we derive the understanding from the text instead of following eisegesis where we read a meaning into a text. And how many troubles do we have as fellow believers? We're bickering about this and we're fighting about this. And the evidence is not conclusive. We have read something into it because that verse fit what we thought we knew. That's a pitfall that we have to avoid. I don't know if you all remember the O.J. Simpson case. Uh, I'm older, obviously. Uh, you remember the, if, uh, the glove, right? If it does not fit, you must acquit. Well, I came up with my own thing as it relates to hermeneutics in preaching. If it does not fit, you must omit. Okay? If that verse doesn't mean what you're saying it means, you can't say that you're using the truth. You've got to follow the evidence. You've got to study the word. We do, not, we do not take what some people might tell us as the truth without studying to make sure that it is the truth. Now, I have all the respect in the world for men like Pendleton, Graves, Spurgeon, Boyce. You, you, you name the Baptist words, B.H. Carroll, J.M. Carroll. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to adopt a doctrine or a belief because Brother Pendleton said it. I want to study the Word of God. Now, we are this morning in the worship building for Berea Baptist Church, right? You're more noble than the Thessalonians, right? Or the Thessalonians, rather, the Church of Thessalonians. Because what did the Bereans do? They received the word with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. This is what we must do. We must examine the word and come to the truths of the word of God. Yes, it is helpful to read Brother John Gill. I love Brother John Gill. But I have read things from Brother John Gill and I'm scratching my head and going, man, I'm not better than John Gill. I don't mean to say that. But where did he get this? Follow the evidence. Do not add to the word. Proverbs 30 and verse 6. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and he be found a liar. Do not take away from his word. Don't try to hide the evidence to bolster the case. Follow the evidence. Then there's a third element, and I'll be done. This third element involves... Having a right conclusion. So we have a proper method to find the truth and attain the truth. We have a right motive, right? We, we want to buy the truth and hold on to it and sell it not. Well, what is the purpose of all of that? A right conclusion. To come to a proper meaning. There must be a purpose in finding the truth. Now, we must, first of all, 
arrive at a right interpretation. We must arrive at a right interpretation. I haven't mentioned this verse yet, but you can't preach on this topic without reading 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. The word study there means to make haste in your labor. To make haste in your labor. So if you want to obtain the truth and find the truth, this is going to take some work and effort on your part. It's going to take some diligence. Make haste in your labor to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The word rightly dividing, I've always loved this meaning. It means to dissect correctly. We got we to gotta dig into the word. We got to want to know what the word says. We got to apply ourselves that we might arrive at a right interpretation. And arriving at a right interpretation, secondly, involves attaining a right understanding. Now, because we have deduced the truth, doesn't mean that we understand the truth. I mean, listen, man, if we want to whip out some sublapsarianism and you, you, you preachers know what I'm talking about, it's, trust me, we don't. Like, are you kidding me? My head is spinning. Just because you know the truth doesn't mean you understand the truth. So we have to strive to attain a right understanding. What did Solomon write in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 23? He said, buy the truth and sell it not. Also, wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is the proper and right application of knowledge. You know that there are a lot of smart idiots in our world. Right? They're very intelligent. They're very educated, but they have no wisdom whatsoever. Right? Wisdom is the right and proper application of knowledge. So Solomon says, buy the truth and sell it not, and, and get wisdom and instruction. This is the discipline of the word as we hear the word of God line upon line, precept upon precept, and we begin to study it and understand it. Now, where do you, where do you get your primary instruction in the word? You get it in God's house. And what is God's house? It is, as Timothy wrote, the, it's the, the church of the living God. It is the pillar and ground of what? The truth. The truth. It all works Amen. together. Amen. It's the pillar and ground of the truth. And so if you want instruction, you've got to be in God's house. Yeah. Now, that's not the only place you read. You, you study at home. You read the Bible. At home, but but you, you, you must be in God's house because God's house defends the word of God. And God's preachers preach the word of God and instruct us and give us insight into the word. Paul or uh, uh, Solomon says, by the truth, sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. You know what understanding is? It's discernment. Discernment. What is discernment? Brother Tom Ross wrote a wonderful book on biblical character traits. And I've preached, preached through those character traits. It's, it's outstanding practical uh, teaching for our people, teaching for the, the child of God. And in that book, Brother Ross gives definitions of each of the character traits. And discernment is the spiritual ability 
to understand scriptural truths that you might perceive what those truths are and how they apply to our daily life. That's discernment. Preacher, how do I know if I should do this or that? Follow the truth. Well, what's the truth? Get in the Word of God. Pray that God will give you understanding. God's Word obviously does not cover every situation in your life, but you know what it does? It gives us principles. God doesn't tell you who you should marry. He tells you how you should pick a mate. He doesn't tell you where you should work, but he gives you principles by which, you know, I can't work here and I can't do that. God gives us principles. He gives us discernment. How do I know what is the right thing to do in this situation? He gives us discernment through the word of God. Now, I mentioned this murder case that we just we had last week and thank the Lord we, we got a conviction. It was a strong case. And I won't get graphic. I know that we have mixed company, and I apologize if I say anything that is offensive to you, okay? This was a murder case where a guy murdered his girlfriend, and then he got in a, a chase with the Illinois State Police, got in a shootout with the state police, barricaded himself in a building, had to surround the building with SWAT. After a number of hours, he comes out surrenders, okay? Now, at the murder scene, which was in a street in East St. Louis, there are three shell casings recovered from the scene. There's one fired shell casing. So there's one fired shell casing recovered from his vehicle. There is one fired shell case, two fired shell casings recovered from Interstate 255 where he got in a shootout with state police. There is a shell fragment from a 9mm handgun that was fired into the door of the Illinois State Troopers patrol vehicle. And there was a bone fragment that was recovered on autopsy from the bottom of the victim, from the body of the victim. Now, he threw out his gun when he surrendered. And we got this gun, and we got all these different fired shell casings and ballistics. And I got roughly 1,200 pages of discovery, 1,200 pages of evidence. And I inherited this case because it took place in 2019. So I am going through all this discovery like, man, there's got to be a way to piece this together. And I am report, I'm reading uh, crime scene investigation reports, hundreds of pages of crime scene investigation reports. And I'm looking through and I find this report and I, I'm sure it's not what I need. It says this match to number 16, this match to number 13. And I'm going through and I'm looking at all of this stuff. And then the light goes on and I'm in my office and I screamed, it all matches his gun. All of the ballistics matched the gun that he said he threw out of the abandoned house when he surrendered to police. This is the report. I understand it. It was there all the time. I couldn't see it. Sometimes we need that wisdom and that instruction and that understanding to be able to make applicable what it is that we have. Daniel Wonderful book, prophetic book. Daniel chapter number 9, verse number 13 reads this. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. We need understanding. So, we arrive at a right interpretation. We attain a right understanding, but we are not done yet. We must apply it. To our daily living. What's the point? If we don't apply it to our daily living. I gave my closing statement in this trial. And I walked over and I picked up the gun. And I picked up all the evidence. 
And I said, this guy right here used this gun to kill her. He used this gun to fire at the state trooper. These are the shell casings that were, that were recovered. Convict him. We acted on the evidence. What is the point of all of it if we don't act on the evidence? Psalms 86 verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Okay, it's good. We got it. Why? I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Thomas Watson, the old Puritan. And we're, we're, we'll be done here in just a moment. The old Puritan wrote this in reference to living the word of God. Watson wrote, conform to scripture. Let us lead scripture lives. Oh, that the Bible might be seen to be printed in our lives. Do what the word commands. Obedience is an excellent way of commit commenting upon the Bible. Let the word be the sundial by which you set your life. What are we the better for having the scriptures if we do not direct all our speeches and actions according to it? What is a carpenter better for his rule about him if he sticks it at his back and never makes use of it for measuring and squaring? So what are we the better for the rule of the word if we do not make use of it and regulate our lives by it? So there is an application. As Brother James wrote, that we're not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. One of my favorite passages in Scripture. I'm a little weird. I know, I know that. But one of my favorite passages in Scripture is Proverbs 21 and verse number 3. To do, to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Not to know what justice and judgment is. Not to pray for others. To do justice and judgment. To do justice and judgment. Justice is what is morally, legally, ethically, and spiritually right. To do justice. Judgment is pronouncing a verdict upon what is morally, legally, ethically, and spiritually right. We actually do it. Now, we know the Lord. I trust that we know the Lord. Are we living by His word? Are we digging for the truths of the Word of God? Are we saying, you know what, I, 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 I know Brother Gill believed this, but let me examine the Scriptures and see what the Scriptures say. I, I, I know that I, I read about this years ago, but I can't remember about all there is about eschatology and the rapture and the millennial reign and all that kind of stuff. I can't remember that. Get into the Word of God and study it and allow God to lead you to the truth. Why? So that you might... You might live the truth. Pilate famously asked, what is truth? Now, I don't believe Pilate had a right motive in asking that. He had the truth standing before him. He didn't wait to hear Jesus' answer. He turned around and walked away. What are you going to do? Are you going to search for truth? Solomon said, buy the truth and sell it not. We have a responsibility. This, after, or this morning we looked at three elements involved in buying the truth. A right catalyst. Got to have a proper motive. A right course of conduct. Got to have a proper method. And that hopefully brings about a right conclusion. A proper meaning. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen.
I'll give you some more suggestions to take back home with you. <laughs> Praise the Lord.